Thank you for tuning into the Michael Crane.live podcast. He is an entrepreneur and mentor with over 20 years of experience as a property investor, stock market trader, and office supplies industry expert. On his podcast, he invites fellow entrepreneurs and business owners to share their journey in business so you can learn and take inspiration for your own business and also motivate the next batch of entrepreneurs starting out on their business journey. And today I have with me Simon Teague. He is a coach, but more importantly, Simon and his business partner from New Level Results created their own version of their tracking electronic e-commerce site for their coaches to build that collaboration between them and their clients. So Simon, before we start the actual presentation uh, the conversation today tell our listeners a little bit about you thank you michael thank you so much for inviting me today it's a real pleasure to be here well i started um my career at the tender age of 16 in natwest bank on a week's work experience that lasted me for 26 years and i finally escaped over the wall so to speak in 2008 in the banking crisis And during my last seven or eight years in NatWest, I was doing a lot of coaching and mentoring and um, got quite a nice reputation for building teams and taking teams from bottom of the league to to, uh, top performers and winning awards and all sorts within the organisation. And so I wanted to set up a business uh, that really reflected that, that was helping people with their leadership skills coaching, mentoring and training all around the art of being a great leader for teams. So what was the main challenge when leading the teams within the bank? The main challenge was that people lacked vision, really. They felt under pressure. They felt stress. um, They felt that the organisation was demanding a lot from them. And what it needed in each case was a good, strong leader to come in and explain why the organisation was where it was, what it was looking for, why it was looking for that, and also to break it all down. You know, I I think when people see uh, the start of the year, their targets, their objectives, their their, um, expectations, it feels like an enormity, an enormous task. And a good leader will sit down with their team and break it all down to help them to see that actually it might feel very challenging, but it is realistic if we work together, if we work collaboratively and focus our efforts. In 2008, as we all know, the bank industry had a huge crash. Are you saying the boss of NatWest was not a great leader Wow. Well, there's a really good question. I would say that um, for the majority of my career, working with NatWest was an absolute joy. I loved working in that organisation. It had a great ethos. It was inclusive. The leadership was uh, very open and always seeking the view of people, you know, right throughout the organisation. The challenge came when Royal Bank of Scotland took over NatWest, um, which I think was around about 2003, 2004. And 
you know, the whole ethos changed, you know, the culture changed. And it went from one of, of an inclusive culture to very much an autocratic culture with uh, Fred the Shred, as I used to call him, um, running Royal Bank of Scotland Group. And really, it was all coming from him. So it was very much became a top down culture. And a lot of people left um, in those years. And a lot of very poor decisions were made by people who weren't really bankers and never really understood the banking industry. They might have been a good uh, acquisition, but they didn't really understand what they were acquiring. So two banks merged. Did two leaders yes. continue to lead the one bank? Well, it was a really fascinating story. And the stock market was, you know, really up in up in arms in a way because NatWest was an enormous whale of an organisation and Royal Bank of Scotland was this minnow. <laughs> uh, and no one ever thought that Royal Bank of Scotland could take over NatWest and it was a fight between the two. And in the end, for Royal Bank of Scotland raised a huge amount of money from partners and from the stock exchange and they took over NatWest. So it wasn't a merger, it was a takeover. By, by RBS. So all the good leadership in NatWest was kicked out. So what I'm hearing is the leader of NatWest at the time who created this very much inclusive business, banking business, was swallowed up by a much smaller, less agile banking business. And that's where the problem arose within the bank itself? Yeah, because what happened was that the Royal Bank of Scotland guys were very, you know, they were strong. They were strong leaders. They were very determined uh, and, and they were very passionate. And I think that's what the stock market liked. They had a very clear vision about what they wanted to do. But what they saw in that West was a leadership that was saying, we don't need to make any changes. We're doing very well, thank you. We just keep plodding along. And of course, the stock market doesn't want to hear that. They want to hear about dynamic leadership. And certainly Royal Bank of Scotland had dynamic leadership where they went wrong, I believe. And one of the reasons why I left was that they weren't looking at the quality of leadership that existed within NatWest and seeking to engage with them. You know, I, I left and I'll, I'll say this openly because I felt bullied. Um, I, I felt that I'd gone from being a well-respected senior leader in the organisation, putting across my viewpoints and, and really galvanising my teams uh, because I was respected by them as well, to someone who was just suddenly a bean counter. And when the beans weren't adding up to the level they wanted, it was very oppressive. So in 2008, it's it will go down in history that the banks failed massively. Mm, so yes. together with the merger or the buyout and the banking industry crisis, was that a perfect storm? Yes, it was a perfect storm. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, when you look at it, within the banking organisations now, Royal Bank of Scotland and NatWest are separating. So we're, we're, we are nearly 15 years 
or 13 years down the road and they've still not resolved or undone the problems that were encountered as part of that acquisition. And, um, but you know, a real lesson, uh, uh, on the one hand, a very good lesson in the art of acquisition, but also I feel a good lesson in the art of how not to lead after an acquisition. You know, when acquisitions take place, it's very, very important to look at the culture of the business coming in and the culture of the existing business and take the best of both. Yeah, don't override, you know, you, you, they were replacing stuff in NatWest that was so good, you know, that we wanted to, we wanted to, you know, really keep that going, but we didn't have the choice. And I didn't have the choice, so I left and I thought, what a good time to start a leadership training coaching business in 2008, 2009. What I didn't see coming was that the global banking crisis would, would affect the whole economy and every company. There was a huge fallout. It was like a tidal wave. And I really struggled to build my coaching practice in the first two, two or three years. Was that down to the crisis or down just simply down to the fact that whenever someone starts a new business, it's going to be tough? I would say with hindsight and looking at the lessons I've learned that it was the latter of those two. It was simply that I was new to business. Um, you're a startup. In the first four years, three out of four startups fail because in the most cases we give up and go back to work it's a very tough environment it doesn't really matter whether the economy is in good shape or bad shape it doesn't matter so much about the conditions what matters is have you set your sales right you know have you got a clear vision have you got a great value proposition and how persistent are you when it comes to hearing no 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 in the first few years how can you get over that and still create a business that's successful? One of the reasons I asked you onto the podcast today, Simon, to talk about your business was I know you created a portal, a platform called The Curve. Tell our listeners why you spent money designing a high-tech portal for your business. And secondly, why you didn't just go out there and buy a platform that's already on the shelf? Well, the truth of the matter is, Michael, that that's how I started uh, with my coaching practice. Well, actually, let's rewind that and talk about three phases of my experience of starting up a business. My first phase was I didn't have a very good value proposition. I wasn't able to stand out against any other coaches in the marketplace. Everywhere I went, it seemed to be flooded with coaches and I didn't have a niche. I didn't have an edge uh, and I didn't have any real client um, testimonials behind me that, that would stand out. So I was struggling. Phase two was I realized I need to have an edge. And what clients were telling me was that if I was to be their coach, how would they know they'd be able to get a return on investment from my coaching? And I thought to myself, 
Well, in NatWest, we always used to have great systems, um, great IT platforms. Uh, and I searched around for a coaching platform and I signed up to a program, which was an American program called Best Year Yet. Um, and, and that was great because instantly it gave me the ability to show a client that we could create a plan online and we could map and track the progress of our coaching relationship. Um, the other great thing about that platform was it really focused the coach and the client on a vision of what their life and their world would look like in 12 months time. And so what I was able to do as a coach was then start to build a business that was based on sustainable clients, clients who didn't come and go within the first you know, few months. I didn't have three sessions or six sessions or I had a 12 month relationship developing from day one. And that was really important in gaining a foothold in building a sustainable coaching practice. What was the tangible? What were the tangible? Yeah, you, know, you were going to say. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'll, let me just say what phase three was then, um, because phase three was the realization that this American platform, which was very good in, on one hand, but I was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And it wasn't exactly the platform that, you know, I believed in, but it, it was helpful. And it certainly helped a large number of my clients as my clients started to build. But I kept asking myself, I wonder if I could develop something that would be very much, you know, developed my own, if you like, that would actually enable me to design and develop a platform that would fit the client needs. And that's when I collaborated at the time, um, because of the Best Year Yet platform, I met my business partner, Andrew Duncan. We started collaborating, found we were both of the same mind. And that's when we set up our company, New Level Results in 2014, and embarked on this adventure uh, for anybody that's out there that's developing any form of platform for their business. It is an adventure. But we started on that adventure in 2014 and we're still working on it. You know, once you decide to go down the creation of a IT platform, it becomes a hungry beast that always needs to be fed. So let's think about the tangible benefits that your, your clients were getting within that 12 months and why you built and designed your portal. What were the tangible benefits you were you find that your clients get with working with you as their coach? The main benefits they were getting, Michael, was that they could see very clearly from the platform, very simple online platform from their perspective, they could see the progress they were starting to make in their business. And I was coaching entrepreneurs, business owners who wanted to grow their business. They were ambitious. Um, some of them were family businesses who were also thinking about, you know, a handover a few years down the road. So I liked that. And, and they liked me because we were we had this common language of looking a year ahead or two years or three years ahead rather than short-term coaching interventions. It was more about building the culture, 
building the cornerstone, if you like, for their business to grow. And the platform enabled us to see every single month the progress or not that was being made. So we knew whether we were on track or off track and could make some very quick course adjustments each month towards that end game. And I think that's the challenge for a lot of businesses that don't have the advantage that these companies have of looking at their business and working on their business every month. They wait until they get their annual accounts, which is often 18 months or you know, six months after the year end. So that's 18 months ago, they found they've made a loss and they haven't taken any action to address what's going on in the business. The beauty of coaching in this way is that we're addressing issues very early on so taking the tangible benefits in mind what was the thought process in designing your platform number one was that if we were to have a platform it needed to be really simple clean easy to use from the client's perspective as coaches, we weren't too worried about whether it was a bit clunky for us or technically challenging for us. It needed to be really simple for the client. So that's how it ended up being designed and developed. It was quite challenging for us, but it was very simple for the clients. But clients started to love using it. In fact, we've got clients now that have used the curve for six, seven, eight years because it's become the way they run their business. They don't even need me anymore as their coach. They just come every year and say, Simon, can we have the platform for another year? And they license the platform from us because it's become their way of being. And that's very powerful. How did you go about designing it though, from your thought process? Because it seems that it's doing everything that your clients wanted everything that you wanted based on your experience in that West. But share with our listeners your thought process in designing this beast of a product that gives you the benefits, but also, more importantly, your clients. Yes, I liken it in a way to like a business startup. <laughs> we, we had, both Andrew and I, had a picture in our head as to what we wanted it to look like. And the only way that we could really move forward was we, we, we met a brilliant design agency called Angle Studios. The, the time were based at Discovery Park. Um, and Ryan Grist is still in business. So they're a great agency to go to if anybody, I'll give them a shout out now. But Angle were great because they sat down with us around the table and they were desperately trying to extract what was in our heads down into, you know, graphs and charts and um, wireframes for a site that they could then build. And it was a little bit like going down a few blind alleys a few times. You know, they would come back to us with, do you mean this? And we'd be going, no, we don't mean that. We mean this. And so there was a language challenge between what was what how a programmer sees things and how we were seeing things but they persevered we persevered and they just came up with a lovely 
platform model. Um, it's not what it is now, but it was enough to get us going, you know, and that was the great thing about it. It didn't work quite as we wanted to. It wasn't as aesthetically pleasing as we liked, but it was functional from the client's perspective. And that's what we liked about the early version of the curve. What made you go for the word or the name, the curve? What we were seeing with the Best Year Yet program was that companies who were in it were um, starting to make some early progress in their coaching relationship, say two, three, four months. But they were mainly dealing with the issues in their business that was holding them back. As we dealt with those issues, when we got to month four, five and six, we were starting to see some early results. But by the time we got into month seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, their results were phenomenal because they'd addressed all the issues. They'd started to put in place some effective marketing and some you know, uh, actions that we were discussing and they were starting to see the results. So by the end of the year, they were seeing some really nice results. But if you took a, a, a view at halfway stage, they weren't really seeing the results they would have liked at that point. But these things take time, Michael, as you and I both know. It takes time to build momentum. It takes persistence. And the beauty of having a platform that brings you back to it every month or every week, even if you want really intensive coaching, but we were generally coming back every month, holding the team accountable, reviewing the progress. We, we've talked previously about the cycle of productivity and we were starting to go round and round that cycle of productivity. And then they saw those better results. So when you put that on a graph, it created this curve look, which is where we came up with the name. I have to credit the name actually with back with our designers because they, they saw that first and said, you should call this the curve. And we thought, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> and we will be taking a very short break right there, Simon. When we come back, we're going to talk about how and what is next. We will be back. With a coach by your side, you can be invincible and nothing is impossible. But not all coaches are equal. Why is it some coaches get outstanding results while others struggle? In today's market, the very best coaches are armed with three powerful tools. 1. A proven methodology that works every time. 2. A mapping and tracking system. 3. An ability to prove the return on investment. Without all three you are going nowhere. With all three client impact is enormous, and the opportunities are endless. These coaches are called New Level Results Coaches. Find out if you make the grade at newlevelresults.co.uk. So we're coming back to the second part of the podcast today. I have with me Simon Teague, the co-founder of New Level Results, and we're talking about his platform for his clients, but also himself to manage the, uh, the performance of his clients teams and themselves so simon we spoke in the first half about a number of things why design the portal why the name and how you started 
What's next for your business with The Curve? What's fascinating, Michael, is that Andrew and I were seeing such great results from the clients that um, we started to win more business than we could cope with. And that's then when we started looking in the marketplace for some really outstanding coaches who might be interested in joining us. Um, we found five coaches who joined us. Um, and in fact, it was at a time when we needed to put a lot of money into the investment of developing the curve to the next level. And um, so we needed a financial commitment from those coaches joining us. And we looked at a franchise model, um, but decided just to hold on a license model. And that's the basis on which they came in. Sadly, one of our coaches, Alison, passed away um, last year, um, but we still have those remaining coaches with us. And then the pandemic came along. And what was fascinating about the pandemic was the platform had already lent itself to remote coaching. We'd already won a few clients around the world and we were coaching them remotely. And we were also using it as an opportunity to coach clients remotely when perhaps we weren't wouldn't have been available otherwise. And with the amazing progress and development of platforms like Teams, of platforms like Teams and Zoom, we were able to really take those and use those and offer a remote coaching proposition. And that went down really well with our clients. We weren't losing any clients. In fact, we were still gaining new business. And then we were listening to what was going on in the coaching marketplace. And we thought, let's just try an advert out there in the coaching space to see if there are any other coaches that might want to look at you know, the remote coaching proposition for their clients and look at our platform in that respect. And we were inundated, Michael, inundated with coaches who were looking, uh, looking at that. And we started to grow our team. And now we've got 31 coaches. Uh, we've opened up, if you like, our platform and our IP and our methodology to other coaches to help them to become successful and make a difference in their clients' lives as well. So am I right in thinking that you've gone from being a coach now to be outsourcing your intelligent property proposition for other coaches who want to use your system to give their clients the same benefits you originally were getting with your clients? Yes, I've still retained a few clients, Michael, and I'm, you know, I've, I want to keep my hand in in coaching. I, I love working with ambitious business owners and family businesses. So, um, you know, I'm always open to doing that. Plus, since then, we've been doing a number of projects with KCC and uh, various chambers around the country, uh, supporting scale-up programs and peer-to-peer -peer network programs. Um, and, you know, we've really grown into lots of corporate work and councils, working with councils as well with their leadership teams. Um, so, the answer is yes, in that I, I want to keep my own clients, but we are also developing and helping and supporting other coaches to make a difference in their client lives. And the other thing I would just say about the curve, which we which we really love, 
um, because we've continued to develop it year on year on year, is it's become not only a great client tracking tool, um, which enriches the way that you coach, but it's also become a fantastic sales aid because when clients are seeking a coach, often we're finding that they're looking to speak with more than one coach. You know, they're looking to make sure that it's right for them, of course. When we turn up and we show them how their plan could look and how it works, and we show them how they'll know that they'll get a great return on investment from their coaching, we win that business every time. Um, because because no other coach can demonstrate that clearly enough to a client, and that's what the clients are seeking. So how does your system actually complement what an external coach does for their clients? How does it work? It doesn't always complement, uh, and, and those coaches won't join us, but fundamentally what we're looking for is coaches who have the kind of conversations with clients about their mindset, their values, their belief systems, and their goals. Um, and if, if they've got those four combinations within the way that they coach and within their own style, then what we have will fit really nicely. Some other coaches, you know, they focus on many other different areas and it's not for them and that's fine. But in these areas, this is where we're getting amazing results with our clients. You know, you and I both know that you can't become a top performer without a top performer's mindset. What you think about, you bring about. So we do a lot of work around the client's mindset, their belief systems, their values. And when that's established, and we track that every month as well. So we're not just tracking goals. We're tracking that. It's very subjective, but the clients enjoy that experience because we're able to show them, you know, look what you were saying about yourself six months ago and look what you're saying now. So the curve is a brilliant system for also capturing notes, clients' notes, like a learning log and the coach's notes all in one place. So from an administration point of view, it's fabulous. You don't have to worry about bits of paper or notebooks or it's all in one place for all your clients. And from the client's perspective, they can clearly see their progress. So as a coach joining your platform, The Curve, how does it enrich their business or do they join new level results and just become a subcontractor to your company? Different coaches are looking for different things from us, Michael. You know, we have coaches in our team who don't want anything else from us other than access to the software because they already have a really good, strong business what they were looking for was the sustainability of their coaching business. And what they also liked was the fact that with the curve, we can now go into bigger organizations and we can talk to them about their coaching culture. And even if they have their own internal coaches, they might be interested in the software and purchasing the software to help them administer their coaching teams 
and create consistency across their organization. So some of the coaches that have joined us have seen that and like the idea that they could start to build a passive income as well as a sustainable coaching delivery income in their practice. Some other coaches do come to us and they really genuinely want help. You know, they, they want help in how to win clients, how to get out into the marketplace and start to have that edge and that niche. And they're very much where I was back in 2008. And if only I'd have had someone to help me then, I would have avoided many costly mistakes. And, and so what we're able to do is fast track those coaches to help them to build their own practice under our umbrella with the benefit of our insight and our lessons from the past and, and our mistakes, really, to help them to build that practice in a much more sustainable way. So do you have an option for the coaches to join your company or is it best if they stay as a self-employed person building their practice, their business on their own terms? At the moment, Michael, where we're at is we're just seeking to take on coaches who are self-employed uh, and have that ambition to build their own practice. Um, because, you know, whilst we are winning business, we can't always guarantee that every coach will benefit from the business that we win. Um, you know, what I'd like to share with you is that we've just gone into developing different versions of the curve. We now have nine different versions of the curve. So because what we're finding in, in the coaching marketplace is there is a call for more well-being coaching, for example. Um, there is a call for coaching people in classrooms, so more genetic coaching facilitation, and that can be Zoom classrooms, you know. And so we have developed different versions that enable us to reach different marketplaces, and that's appealing to certain coaches. So coaches in the well-being space might like to look at our well-being version. You know, so so that's kind of where we see things going, really. And the best way to do that is using the self-employed model. I assume that you've spent thousands on building the curve and investing in your intellectual property. What are the pitfalls that you found about doing it that way? Yes, we have uh, stuck to our strategy from day one which is we didn't want to have to go and borrow money to develop this software. So we developed it at a pace that the business could sustain through the income the business was generating, which is why, you know, it's seven years now and we're still developing the curve. But I think it's in a place now where we won't ever stop because we want it to be market leading. And at some point, someone will try and copy us. They're going to have to spend hundreds of thousands because that's where we're at now with this platform. Um, one of the biggest challenges, I think, is, you know, every now and then it doesn't do what you want it to do. Like with any software, it doesn't work as fast as you want it to. It, it suddenly comes up with a glitch um, uh, in, in the sense that it's gone and done something we didn't expect. And, and that's the beauty, in a way, of having a developer that works with us all the time. And um, uh, because we're able to, you know, deal with those things fairly quickly, but you, you are always having to deal with those things. 
You know, I, I remember only a few months back, I was going on to my HSBC bank account and uh, there was a system error message saying, we've got a system error, we're working on it. So whatever IT platform you're gonna go and develop, you've got to plan and be ready for those times when the system isn't quite doing what you want it to do. What's the future roadmap of your company? Future roadmap, Michael, is to, you know, have a, a curve experience ourselves now and to reach into bigger markets, global markets. Uh, we've just taken our first, taken on our first European coach and we're talking to a second one. Uh, we've just taken on our first American coach and um, we see really that this platform could be very much a global platform. It's very... Um, uh, user-friendly in that sense uh, and I suppose the next phase of development might be to look at different languages and create versions of it in those different languages. We've spoken a lot about the platform Simon and I know you've been a coach for many years starting out at NatWest but tell our listeners what you love about coaching your team and your people. I love to see people come alive to the prospect that they can operate at a level they never before thought possible and reach their full potential. We've done some amazing projects as well, Michael. You know, we, we coach individuals, teams. Um, the testimonials we get from them, you know, almost make you want to cry, to be honest with you. I, it really touches my heart. Um, but one of the great projects we did was helping four women who wanted to make a real difference by raising hundreds of thousands for walking for the wounded charity and breast cancer awareness. And they had big jobs in the city. They gave those jobs up and they um, embarked on this incredible expedition to row across the Pacific Ocean. Now, they'd, they'd never rowed, they'd never rowed anywhere before in their life and they're about to embark on rowing across the Pacific Ocean. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to row across the English Channel on a calm day, let alone the Pacific when, you know, you're in a 29 foot boat and there are 50 foot waves in the storms that pass over that ocean. And they had to row two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for nine months. But what kept them going, Mike, was on the ceiling of the cabin was their online coaching plan their tracking plan showing them that this is where you need to be right now this is the mindset um holding each other accountable to that plan and us touching base with them via you know satellite radio every now and then it, it was that accountability piece that held them together in times when it got really, really tough. Now we can, we can all work well together in the good times, but when it gets really tough, it's having a mechanism to be able to pull us all back to a agreed set of shared values, belief system, a mindset that we can all just go back to and remind ourselves that's what we've committed to. What was some of the finer detail in that plan that they had on the roof? of their little boat, a boat called, I believe it was called Doris, wasn't it? And also how far did they row across, across the Pacific in miles? 
Yes. So um, let me answer the second question because the first one's just jumped out of my head. But the distance was 8,446 miles from San Francisco to Cairns in Australia. You know, and the, the amazing thing about the geography of the world is almost exactly a third of the way is Hawaii. And then another third of the way is Samoa. They had enough space in the boat to store three months worth of food. So that was enough to get them to Hawaii. And then they would restock the food in Hawaii. It would they were only allowed three days stop to get the whole boat, you know, uh, reserviced, checked over and, and, and filled up with food again. Water's not a problem because they have a desalination unit. unit. So uh, they take the water from the sea, remove the salt, drink it. Probably still tastes disgusting, but it's uh, water. Um, and then they were able to go on and do that to Samoa. So, yeah, 8,446 miles of it, rowing. And that sounds just an incredible plan. My first question, though, Simon, was what was the finer detail on their map, their road map that was stuck to the top of the boat, Doris? Yes, thank you, Michael. Um, the main thing that came out of, you know, speaking to the girls afterwards was that they had what we call guiding principles, which is the, uh, quite an intimate piece of work we do with teams to help them to understand how are they going to make good decisions and not allow uh, challenges and issues to get in the way of those decisions. And so we come up with a series of statements and one of their statements, which was really powerful for the Coxus crew girls was control the controllable. And what they were really saying there was that, you know, you cannot control the ocean and what it's going to do from one minute to the next. But what you can control is how you respond to it in the boat. And, you know, if you see a storm coming, you know, you've got to batten down the hatches, you've got to tighten up things, et cetera, et cetera. If you see one of your colleagues flagging, you know, you can't leave that. You've got to you know, speak to them, make sure they're OK, et cetera, et cetera. So everything that they could control, they identified what that was and they made sure they controlled it well. And they appointed certain champions to watch out for certain things. They might have been behaviours, they might have been the weather, they might have been whether the boat's starting to creak or, you know, the technology on board so that it was covered. Um, and I just think that was amazing that they said that that was the glue that held them together as a team. And we take so many analogies from the Coxus crew story, Michael, and the way they track their progress. Uh, that it's so relevant for teams now. One of their sayings was that everyone has their own Pacific Ocean to cross. And boy, isn't that true of the last 12 months with the pandemic. We've all had our own Pacific Ocean. We're all in this ocean. And, and contrary to what Boris Johnson said, we're all in the same ocean. We're not. Well, we are in the same ocean, but we're not in the same boat. I think he said, we're all in the same boat. We're not in the same boat. Some people are in a 800 foot yacht and other people are in a lifeboat. 
you know, and so because we've been affected differently by this pandemic. But the issue is we have all had a Pacific Ocean to cross. And the analogies from the Coxus crew serve leaders, teams, the world of business, whatever you, whoever you are, there's a really great story to tell. And having a coaching plan and tracking it on the curve is the best way that if you want to make changes in your life and changes in your business, for us, what we're experiencing and what our clients experience is that's the best way to do it. As we bring our podcast to an end today, Simon, just share with our listeners how they can reach out to you and how they can learn more about being the best they can using your intellectual property, The Curve. Yes, we would. I would obviously love clients um, or prospective clients, people who are thinking about having a coach to reach out. We're very open. We have conversations with people about how that might benefit them or work for them. Uh, and also for coaches, if there's coaches listening who are thinking, you know, I need an edge. I need something different. Um, the marketplace is shifting. People are becoming more discerning about coaching then it'd be great for them to reach out and simply just visit our website, newlevelresults.co.uk. And there's a, you know, as with most websites, there's a form on there. You can just pop your details on. It'll come through to me and my team and um, we'll give you a call. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.